0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
2: We all know what's in front of us. Michigan's a really good football team. I'm the top five in, in Russia on offense and
3: then top five in every category on, on defense. We know what we're getting into. We know, we know the task at hand, but it's an opportunity, and the ball's going to kick off on Saturday. We're definitely
0: embracing an underdog role. I don't think anybody, especially after the loss last week, coming in, um, I think a lot of people are doubting us and we just got to come out, like if we do every game and give it our best shot. Just have that mentality that we have nothing to lose at this point and go go guns blazing. So It's a great opportunity for us. Um, you know, this atmosphere is going to be great. I've played at Michigan before. It's loud. Um, there's people everywhere. It's, it's going to be a great opportunity. Um, so guys, guys are really excited to get out there. There's a lot of guys that have never been out there, in the big house, and uh, it, it's a great opportunity for us to go out there and um, you know uh, showcase what we're what we're uh, capable of doing.
3: Hello, and welcome again here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Stephen M. Sipple, as we get you ready for Saturday's two thirty kickoff. ABC again, Nebraska versus Michigan, and boys. Uh, on paper, at least, it's not looking good for Nebraska. Obviously, qu- questions at quarterback, but uh, Nebraska facing uh, what is believed to be their largest point spread in modern-day history. And, Robin, you can chime in on this. I know the Oklahoma 2004 game mm-hmm. um, in which Bill Callahan kicked the last-second field goal to cover, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
4: Steve Krewald broke free on a fullback trap late in the game and went for I don't know how many yards, but <laughs> instead of trying to go for the score – Old Bill dialed up the field goal to make it thirty to three in a twenty-seven point loss on a twenty-nine and a half point spread, and that was the
3: only fullback carry of the season. <laughs> if you remember that, it was like I mean, it was just kind of like whatever. Whoa. And that was also the famous Darren Delone game. Oh yeah, where um, where Darren Delone purposely threw Wally Muhammad into the OU roughneck players, uh, roughneck guys that had the fake guns with blanks in them. Yeah, and they shot the guns like inches away from the players on the field during pregame warmups. Oh, yeah. And they would taunt them and say things to them. And Jay Moore, who does Big Art Rap with me, he, he still tells the story. I mean, it was obviously done intentionally, but they had to like, act like it was an accident. And this Oklahoma kid like, got hurt really bad. I mean, he got thrown into a brick wall. But he was right on the field during pregame warmups. Mm-hmm. So what, what are you expecting to happen in your – Literally taunting the opposing team with slurs and other comments. Yeah,
4: that was, was the game. Mess. That was the game where uh, Bill afterwards was like, "You got guys who're shooting guns through. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to work on that, Bill. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a while. I got to. That, that was on the.
3: And that was on the big. That was on the Big Twelve, <laughs> 12 conference call. It, it wasn't like yeah, at the press was, conference. Was, like we used to do the, We used to have these Monday calls, and they don't do them anymore because people used to prank them <clears throat> and like call in and oh. pretend to be reporters. They and, did and ask inappropriate questions. Art Briles
4: got a good one one year, and I think that was the last time they did it. <laughs> it involved sword fighting. I'll yes. just leave it at yes, that. Yes. And it it, it it was not. It was just leave not, it there. It was not. It was like, our was like what? Yeah. He was like, he started asking the questions. Like, what? Now, now Hold on. Who, who asked that question? And the moderator was scrambling to figure it out. It was a disaster. All right, well, let's anyway. land the
3: helicopter back to Nebraska versus yeah, Michigan here. here. Um, but Nebraska-Michigan this week, um, we, we saw some good things in that game last week against Minnesota. Nebraska came out, put up 10 points on the first two drives. The defense <clears throat> stopped Minnesota, four consecutive punts in the first half. It was looking really good. And then the game actually kind of changed on the final play of the half where Nebraska's Ty Robinson sacked Tanner Morgan, the quarterback from Minnesota, which was like, wow, what a way to kind of put a cherry on top of the first half. But that actually kind of maybe changed things at that point because then Tanner Morgan came out of the game. Minnesota's offense got a little bit more life with their backup quarterback, and from there um, they got things rolling. And you know now Nebraska is going to face even a tougher test this week against Michigan, who's playing as well as anybody in the country.
2: Well, a much tougher test. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about yeah, that. I mean, and I don't want to overdo it on this. Um, I mean, Michigan is playing really well. But I'm not going to do that thing where Nebraska has zero chance to win. It's yeah, probably a five percent. <laughs> um, <laughs> Generous. That yeah, it's big. You're going into a Thresher in Ann Arbor. Their offensive line's big and tough, and ran for 418 against Penn State. That's a good, good Penn State defense. I repeat, ran for 418 against Penn State. And Michigan will have well. They'll. You know what strikes me this this week about what the guys are saying. Michigan's smart. I mean they're not only big big and tough. It's a smart team. And if you watch them play, they are. They they do a lot of they're pretty, um they're pretty they're not simple. I mean they they're they're pretty um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Complicated on both sides of the ball. They
4: make you think. Yeah, that's what Bill Bush kind of hit in yeah. that with their offense. You know, he said against Minnesota it was primarily a, a zone. Scheme. zone 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 yeah and so i mean you knew exactly the look you were gonna get well michigan runs zone they run uh gap, gap, gap they run scheme, power they yeah. run counter and counters basically everything and they have a running back and blake corum who on monday jim harbaugh which could scare you some weight said he was the best running back he'd ever coached at least at the college level now uh frank gore might be a step ahead of him but what here, about some guy named mccaffrey Or Toby Gearhart, who was a runner-up for the Heisman. I guess he didn't. He didn't coach
3: McCaffrey.
4: He didn't coach McCaffrey, McCaffrey, but he had Toby Gearhart. He had uh, Hassan Haskins, who was a thirteen hundred yard, twenty touchdown guy last season. And Harbaugh says Blake's the best. And listening to Bill Bush, he said he doesn't miss cuts. You know, he he does everything right. And so to your point, um, that's where it starts at the running back position. But it's across the board. Um, They just. Got a, a bunch of guys that know exactly what they're doing. They're extremely talented, and they don't screw up.
2: Tight ends, too, by the way. Let's throw that in, Sean. Watch the tight ends. They'll use three. They'll use three, and they play four.
4: And they'll, they'll just out muscle you.
3: And, you know, we had Michael Spath on the Monday Night Husker yeah. Online show, and he had an interesting comment. He goes – they like to play this way because they feel like very few people do now, and it's actually hard to prepare for it.
2: Mm-hmm. Play which way?
3: Physical tight ends, fullbacks, downhill, oh, old school. Yeah, in the box fighting. Oh boy,
2: oh boy, that's tough. I mean, they're tough and they're ornery and they're smart. That's a good combination for Jim Harbaugh.
3: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we get you ready for Saturday's Nebraska-Michigan game, 2:30 on ABC, and. Think back to five years ago, guys. We were out there in Ann Arbor. That's the last time we were out there. Um, beautiful September day. It was, I believe, the opener for Nebraska in the Big Ten that yep, year. Yep. Um, game when Will Honus got hurt in, I remember, at that game. Uh, but I will never forget in the post game they pulled Adrian in the first half because it was so out of hand. And they, He was
4: banged up going in, too. And they so, pulled him. Yeah.
3: And then they went to um, the walk-on kid. Um, now I'm blanking on his name. He started the Troy game that year, too, and he kind of finished out the game. Uh, for Nebraska but his parents are from Omaha come on help me uh the the way the game Rob ended the post game of that game I mean Frost said that that was the bottom you know but you know thinking now five years later will this be worse Andrew Bunch Andrew Bunch Andrew Bunchy Bunchy is good job Berdusco used to say but you just think about where you know that was like the bottom the low point as Frost told his team that day in Ann Arbor
4: 56 to 10 and and it, and it was 56 to 10 and it didn't even feel that close I mean, it was that was a massacre, and that was the game. Like you said, where where Frost laid it out there is like you know we're we're not big enough, strong enough, tough enough on either side of the line of scrimmage to compete in the Big Ten right now. And <laughs> that game put it out there as, as clear as day. And um, you know, I guess we'll see how much progress has been made in that regard. But clearly, um, that's going to be maybe the biggest difference in, in this one to where. Michigan's offensive line and their running game um, is as good as there is in the country. And then on the other side of the ball, defensively, um, they're right up there with Illinois uh, as far as the the Big Ten leaders in pretty much every single defensive category. So, I mean, this is about as difficult of a test in every single facet of the game that Nebraska's faced this season, and that's why uh, you're looking at them being the biggest underdogs arguably in program history.
3: All right, when we come back, we're going to delve into the quarterback situation. We're going to talk offense kind of the the mess that the offense has become the last few weeks and what they'll do this week at Michigan. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right a company that sells phones, wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I lost sixty dollars when I was a freshman at Brown and never gambled since. So I got smart that way. But yeah, I coached at UMass, we played Florida, we played at Mississippi State, we played at South Carolina, so I don't I don't ever look at it and I know I know how good Michigan is and I know how good we can be and it's you just wanna put your best foot forward. You know, it still comes down. To you got to score more points. I would have been satisfied if we won twenty one twenty or you know, i don't I don't really care if we win three, two. It doesn't, you know that way. So whatever gives us the best chance, but you know you gotta look at the scoreboard and play it off the way it was that way.
3: And we're back here on the Husker Online show, Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett, as you heard Mark Whipple um talking about being a twenty eight now thirty point dog um, against Michigan on Saturday and then as well as just the way his offense. Has played Uh, before we get into offensive talk. This segment is brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th in Yankee Hill Road. I was in at Tavern 180 Saturday night after the game. It was packed, by the way. Tons of people out after the Minnesota game. Then we walked into Tanner's, played a little keno, watched the end of the the Clemson Notre Dame game, the Alabama LSU game. It was buzzing. A lot of people into it. Great place to watch football, have wings, have drinks with your friends, play Keno, uh, Tanner Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. Well, let's get back into Mark Whipple. Um, Sip, you kind of cracked the whip on Whipple this week um, and, and just kind of brought up some interesting things. Um, and a lot of inter- I mean, based on the readership we saw on that column, there were a lot of people interested in what you had to say. What was your big takeaway this week as we get ready for Michigan? on Mark Whipple.
2: Should have listened to Pat Narduzzi a little closer. I was pretty dismissive of that uh, those comments Martin, Pat Narduzzi made in July when he said that uh, Whip <laughs> it doesn't he's, he doesn't run the ball. He's stubborn. Um, he just wants to pass. And remember, you remember when that came out? It was easy to dismiss at the time. I dismissed it because I thought, you know what? If Whipple's in the Big Ten and they gotta run the ball, he was in the NFL. He'll know the importance of doing it. But so far, he's not really. He is kind of stubborn. He's pretty stubborn in the way he approaches the game, and he's pretty stubborn in his answers. You know, when you question him about it, it's always about this with Whip, which I don't. Which I don't. It's fine. I mean, he just says it's – got to worry about putting points on the board, whatever it takes. That's what he said today, by the way, whatever it takes. Okay, it's right.
3: a, That's kind of an easy – and he also – like like I mean, look, we kind of know you've coached Ben Roethlisberger and Colt McCoy, okay? Like, you know, it, it's not really relevant to Chubba Purdy, though, and Logan Smothers right now. Is it, guys? I mean –
4: Not really. No. What I found interesting, and, you know, maybe you guys didn't sense this, but based off, like, how – the things Mickey said – on Tuesday and then the answers Mark Whipple gave on Wednesday. Does it seem like those two are on the same page? Joseph and Whipple? Yes. No. I mean just like listening to the difference of answers about how you know Mickey's like, Yeah, we need to be more satisfied with three and four yard runs. We need to play a big ten style of game and, and then you know, shorten the game and then Whipple's like, you know, whatever. You know? He was asked directly about and Mickey's. Every comments. every game's its own story. You know, we we're gonna score. And I don't care who, if we win 3-2 to two or whatever.
3: Let me ask you this, Sip. Who is on the same page with Mark Whipple right now? I'm having a hard time figuring it out. Hmm,
2: that's a good question. Well, I mean, I mean probably, who, who's saying was, that? you're?
3: You, this is great. The receiver's
2: know. coach, maybe?
3: Cassano? Yeah. Yeah, because they, they are kind of tied together. But yeah. who who – watches 30 plays for 36 yards or seven straight empty possessions or in the case of the Oklahoma game, 12 consecutive empty scoring possessions and said, yep, this is a great plan here. Yeah.
2: It, no, it's getting, it's gotten rough. One of the writers today asked me, is this, is this Diaco again? I, it's not that rough. In in that I can understand I can understand what Whipple's saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> Diaco
4: was brutal. Yeah. I couldn't
2: understand what he was saying most of the time. I literally couldn't understand. No,
4: it. No, even when you went back and listened to yeah. it on the transcription, you're like, I don't I don't even understand what ninety percent of this seven minute answer means. Right. But you know, I mean, with Whipple, it, it, I guess True. like the stubbornness I think rubs people along uh, the wrong way a lot. To where I mean, I get what he's saying. He's like, you know, we're going to do what we need to do to win the game. But he's like. Well, you know, I've been doing this for 50 years or whatever. And, uh, you know, it, it's worked for me at all these other stops. And then he references how many NFL quarterbacks he worked with and all that sort of stuff. It's like, well, it doesn't really answer the question about this particular team. And he no. says each game's its own story. Well, when was the last time you scored over 14 points? You know what I mean? Like, wow. the, the, the numbers suggest that whatever you've been doing is not working. Here Mm -hmm. And I know the quarterback situation is a major part of that. You cannot cannot discount that. Without Casey Thompson, it throws off everything. But um, the seeming unwillingness to adjust, given the new circumstances at quarterback, I think is a problem.
2: Well, yeah, just to lay it out again, Mickey, as you said, Robin, you alluded to it on Tuesday said, we have to be more comfortable with three and four yard gains that get us to third and short. Um, three and four yard runs, runs. Whipple was asked the next day directly about that quote and was pretty dismissive. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it was, we're going to do whatever it takes. And the other thing he pointed out was we threw a bad interception and we dropped some passes. So he didn't he didn't do I think they're on the same page after today? No, it doesn't seem like it at all um so yeah it's it's i think it's a bit of a problem what do you do if you're making i don't know you can't, can't take the headset from him
3: yeah because there's yeah. nobody else on this staff other than analyst steve cooper who could call plays who's called plays before and and i've talked to a lot of people about this calling plays you can't just like learn how to do that at the power five level i mean it's it's something that you start you know and work your way up on you just don't say i'm going to start calling plays I mean, it's it's a. Ch- I wouldn't think so. I mean, it's it's like playing an instrument. It right. takes years yeah. of practice to flow and feel. And I mean, what I can say this so Whipple, the script that they came out with against Minnesota was beautiful. It was like, wow, okay, this guy really put together a great idea and a script. But then they deviated off that script last week, and that was the hard thing to figure out. Why did they get away from the two tight ends, letting Anthony Grant just run downhill <laughs> with the quarterback under center? Why was that not like a part of things further in the game?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, what, some of the undercurrent comments we hear are that not only literally, do, not only does Whipple kind of literally go off script, he goes off, he goes away from what they practiced, is what we're hearing a little bit, which is uh, which is frustrating to, you know, I think the staff. We'll let's say the staff. Um, so, ah. Yeah, I don't know. Whipple's competent. I mean, I, I, think, I think his track record um, suggests competency for sure. But, listen, it, some of this is that he was hired by Scott Frost and they were going to do, do it a certain way. Frost is no longer here. And I think that contributes to some of the mm, disconnect, I'd say, that we're seeing.
3: How, I just, how would it be working right now? Let's say Frost was still coaching and then they fired him after the Michigan game. Like, I, you just wonder how it would have looked or how it would have worked with the two of these guys together. Because, you know, it, 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 at least that North Dakota game, one of Frost's last games, it felt like he pushed Whipple back and said, no, 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 we're doing it this way. And it worked. And,
4: you know, it just barely <laughs> <laughs> it did it work. But, it work. you know, and then the next time out, uh, you know, they get. <laughs> I guess they put up forty. Well, that was that was the defense. They put up 40, 42. forty-two points. So yeah, I they guess, put up you know,
2: forty-two, mean, and they, they, they couldn't keep up scoring with Georgia Southern. They, they they were close. Well, I mean they didn't score on their first possession, and then I think they scored on every possession game. after yeah. that. Yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, it's uh, they're chasing Georgia Southern all night. It's a complicated discussion, and and I think you've got to come up with a game plan that protects this offense. You know, last year's Oklahoma game. Go back to that game. Huge spread on the road from Nebraska. They came up with a, a plan that <clears throat> limited the first quarter to two total possessions, one for each team. Can you do that against Michigan?
2: Well, you're going to have to get some push up front to do that. And some first downs. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I don't know. They haven't shown the consistency on the offensive line to be able to do that against a team like Michigan. And, and Michigan's much better than that Oklahoma team. They are. Michigan's much better. Um, again, I don't want to go overboard with that. I think Nebraska might be able to slug it out with them for a little a little while I mean, Nebraska has a willingness, it looks like, to slug it out. Um, but uh, I don't know how they're going to do it.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think you still have to find a way to protect the defense as much as anything. If you ask them to stay on the field for you know X amount of plays against that running attack and Blake Horam, I mean, you're just asking for them to get run over eventually. So uh, to limit the amount of times they have to try to stop Blake Horam and company, uh, the better your chances of, of keeping that thing competitive.
3: All right, when we come back, we're going to talk defensive storylines next. You're listening to the Oscar Online Show.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as um, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
1: many more doors. The show
0: is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. Your authority on Nebraska athletics.
2: He made a bad mistake, and we don't condone that. We always talk about protect the football team, and he didn't. And he will be suspended this week. We'll reevaluate him after this week, but it's something that he, he can't do. I mean, that's 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 not smart. And we, we always say protect the team. And I'm very disappointed in Miles. Miles is gonna he's gonna make this right. He's gonna do a lot of he's gonna do some things to get back in good grace with this football team. We're not gonna condone that. That's that's bad. That's a that's a bad situation. He He's a good kid. He made a mistake, but we can't make mistakes like that.
3: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sippel, Robin Washa. That was head coach Mickey Joseph talking about the situation uh, with Miles Farmer, who was cited with a DUI on Sunday morning around 1230 after having 14 tackles, leading Nebraska in total tackles in the loss to Minnesota. Miles Farmer will be suspended for one game at Michigan this week. He's played almost 800 snaps, which is the most of any Husker defender, gentlemen. What kind of loss is Miles Farmer?
2: Big. I mean, he's really like Bill Bush said said this week. He's really improved his tackling. Uh, 62 tackles on the season. Um, he's a you know he's six three two hundred. He's one of the better athletes on the team. Safety positions critical in everything. Now. Um, you know you're going with Phelan Sanford which is a big drop off in terms of snaps. I mean Sanford hasn't Sanford Sanford hasn't played n- nearly as many snaps. So yeah, it's big. This is not uh, it's a bad timing. Bad timing for, for this to happen.
4: Especially in this game when tackling is going to be so imperative and you need your safeties to be able to help in run support. Uh, Miles Farmer just had 14 tackles against Minnesota, mm-hmm. career high. And you know, you, you go back and watch highlights of that. I mean, he was thumping. I mean, he was putting some shots on Mo Ibrahim. And you need that in in these types of games. And so, you know, Phelan Sanford is a freak athlete, uh, probably one of their best overall athletes on the entire team, <coughs> but he just doesn't have that experience, and he's an undersized guy. And so is he going to be able to create that same impact uh, against the run that Miles Farmer, who's a significantly bigger player, did and you know, Bill Bush, I said, along with his 14 tackles, he we went back and watched the, during their film study, whatever. Mm-hmm. He charted 26 other tackles that he was in quote, quote unquote involved yeah. in. So, I mean, he was everywhere uh, when it comes to Nebraska being able to at least somewhat contain Minnesota's ground game. Well, and then Deshaun
3: Singleton, two guys that's another guy that could see some snaps in this game yeah. back there, but. You know, he he really hasn't done much for Nebraska. When you, you look at just his total snap counts on the year, he played five snaps last week in that game. And on the season, I'm, I'm pulling up his game-by-game uh, game snap chart. You can't really – 18 snaps versus Oklahoma was the most he's played in a game. Um, but in terms of true Big Ten games, he played 10 at Purdue, and that's it. Um, so he's got 54 defensive snaps on the year where Miles Farmer's almost got 800.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and after that, right now it seems to be Jaden Gould, the true freshman who I don't he may have seen a game or two of action with very limited snaps. So I mean, the drop off that you're talking about, no matter who is going out there in place of Miles Farmer is significant, significant. to say the least.
2: I, I I want to go on a little bit of an old man rant here though. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you something annoying about this market, really annoying, is that when when <laughs> When people talk about Phelan Sanford, they said, "What? why are you down to a walk-on that starting? And they don't say, well, I mean, Phelan Sanford obviously earned this. He bypassed scholarship, guys. To, to, to phrase it up that way, it's disrespectful to the player and it's disrespectful to the walk-on program. Um, Sanford's a good player. Walk-ons have – I mean, who's a leading tackler for Nebraska right now? Leading tackler on the team. Luke Reimer, he's a walk-on. I mean – I mean, are we going to say he couldn't do better than Luke Reimer?
3: Their center on the offensive lines a walk on. Sometimes and he's played yeah. well. Trent Hickson. Yeah, a lot of times walk ons just get good. I mean, Chancellor Brewington's a walk on.
2: To frame it up that way, especially
3: Nebraska fans who think they have a better understanding. Oh, of I, right, we're just right. at a point where we're just mad. People are just mad about everything.
2: I'm I mean, just mad about everything, Sean.
3: I mean, that, that's the country. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the world that we're living in right now in no. general. Yeah, I'm not mad about everything. But yeah, I, I just think. Because guys like Noah Pulla-Gates yeah, and players like that, mm-hmm. I mean, Nick Saban won a Noah Poligates. USC won a Noah Gates, and he's never played. Mm-hmm. And and so it's more frustration, I think, about those things. Like, okay. oh, we beat Nick Saban and USC for <clears throat> Noah Poligates. That makes
4: sense. Yeah, Phelan Sanford and, is representative of the misses they've had with what were supposed to be high-level recruits that never panned out here, whereas okay. – walk-ons were able to beat them out i think that it's, it's not about failing it's about the guys that it's about the up. overall
3: development of the program that literally like nebraska probably bats below a 10 percent clip on four-star recruits it feels like i mean they just have not been able to develop those guys Noah gates um you know and ty robinson's a guy that yeah he, he, he's come on here lately but for where he was ranked and, and whatnot he hasn't produced i don't think at the level you would have thought yet. And so I think that's Bryce Benhart. Yeah, go Col- name, T-Tur- name Cork- any Cork- offensive lineman <laughs> over Cork, the last 10 years. Cork yeah. really highly recruited. The
4: misses on the O-line was, are as yeah, high as anything.
3: And so I think that when people get upset about a walk-on beating out, it's more just frustration that what was supposed to be a high-level recruit is not even playing anywhere near sense. high level.
2: That makes sense.
3: All right, well, we're listening here to the Husker online show. Um I want to talk about Bill Bush, though. I think he has done a really good job with his defense considering the circumstances. I mean, the way they played last week in that first half against Minnesota, it was lights out. I mean, Minnesota did not have an answer for the movements and things that Nebraska was doing. Um, But, uh, you know, there's not much margin for error. And and when the offense is not doing anything like they were, it really flipped the table on the defense.
4: Yeah. and I mean, the defense is playing well enough for them to win, especially given the circumstances they've been thrown in with – you know, however many straight three and outs and turnovers and being put in bad spots and constantly having to be on the field where they give up 26 and 20 points against two division rivals. You know, I mean, that's that should be good enough to win. And it's the other side of the, the ball that's, you know, ended up losing them games. So, I mean, the defense is doing what it's supposed to do, especially given the, the grind that they're up against right now. The third straight elite level running back coming up this week. Like, you know, they're, they've held up as well as you probably could have hoped. I mean, especially considering the injuries that they've had to deal with, you know, losing a guy like Nick Henrich, now being without Miles Farmer. I mean, those are some pretty significant names that they've had to try to make up for, and they've done it. I mm-hmm. mean, they've done it well enough that, in theory, they, they should have a much better chance at winning than given what we've seen the last two
2: weeks. Yeah, one thing you've definitely seen in the against these good running backs, Chase Brown and Mo Ibrahim, is they rallied to the ball really well. Those guys didn't get loose right They didn't get loose they weren't they weren't running up and down the field because Nebraska's getting multiple hats to the ball they're rallying to the ball and that and also they're they're clearly in good position it's it's been it's looked a lot different, right I mean think about just go back and think about all the long runs that happened in the first three games just
4: Northwestern
2: yeah I mean that those are kind of cut out now North, I mean even Dakota yeah yeah. Ibrahim got 129 yards. That's very workable. I mean, that's...
4: On 32 carries.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's winning defense. And, and same thing about... I mean, Chase Brown got 159. But I was concerned going into that game that he could go over 200. Mm. And he, he didn't win the game for Illinois. I mean, it wasn't because he was getting loose. So, yeah, I'd say Bill, Bill's done a really good job especially again in that run defense
3: well and yeah the, those 32 carries it'd be cut down a lot more if the offense would hold the ball longer and have some possessions but when you go five consecutive three and out seven empty possessions it's just going to give mo Ibrahim yeah. about eight or ten more carries
4: Yep, yeah exactly That's so you got to take the numbers even further that you know had the offense been at least somewhat competent for longer stretches uh you know that defense is going to look even better and those running back numbers that You know, they didn't stop those running backs, but they contained them well enough. And they probably would have contained them even more had they not had to go up against them so many times.
3: All right, when we come back, we're going to take questions in the mailbag. Abby Barmore will join us next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
5: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lipsyn ads. Go to lipsynads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
2: I feel like it's just going to be like any other conference game, you know, every week. We play a team in the Big Ten. We know that we have to come with our pads strapped tight and please laced up, ready to go. So, you know, I feel like the physicality of the game is going to be, you know, about where it's been these last few weeks for us. So I think we should be fine.
3: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Steve Sippel, bring in Abby Barmore um, as we get ready for the mailbag. But before we get to the mailbag, Abby, it was (coughs) – National Signing Day for virtually every sport other than football. That means Nebraska volleyball, and you do a great job covering Nebraska volleyball for us. Um, I know you were knee-deep all week, kind of keeping track of Signing Day. Um, Give us the Cliff Notes version of Nebraska Volleyball Signing Day.
1: Well, the Huskers just keep on doing what they do. They signed the number one class again this year. They had the number two class last year. And then the year before that, they had the number one class again. So this year, they actually signed a player in every single position. So that's five ladies. And they had the number two player, number four, five, seven, and 13 players in the nation that they signed. So it was a big day for them. And this is just a crazy class that has done a lot, not only in their high schools and their clubs, but also nationally they won a gold medal at the under-19 Pan American Cup this summer. And then all actually all five of them were there for that. And wow. then last summer, um, four of them were at the under-18 um, thing that they had, and they won a bronze for that. So they win medals. What they do is win, and so Nebraska just really – Really did a great job with this class.
3: Okay, who signed the number one player in volleyball?
1: (coughs) Um, Purdue did.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Mm. She's an outside hitter libero, so an interesting combo that they got going there.
3: Interesting. All right, well, let's get into the mailbag. Lots of questions this week. Uh, What do you have to lead us off in the mailbag?
1: Do you believe that Trev Alberts has zeroed in on his top one or two candidates yet?
3: (sighs) Well... I think, he, I think he, you have to almost be at that point now. I mean, we, we are approaching mid-November. Mm-hmm. I think you have to have it down to two or three. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, when do you get to an offer stage? And an offer could be done privately behind the scenes and not be made public until the guy's done or the season's done. Right. But that's what we don't know. When will actual terms be agreed upon to look at the contracts?
2: Yeah, I guess it's possible that terms have been agreed upon. You just would never know it right now, mm-hmm. especially if it's a sitting head coach. Um, yeah, I mean, I think people get frustrated that they don't know. That's
4: how it should be, though.
2: Yeah. I mean, what do you want? I, I mean,
4: mean, especially if said coach is currently at another school. Like, I mean, that's just the way this <coughs> this whole thing works. And, yeah, I mean, like if he ha- they have zeroed in on – a candidate or top two candidates and yeah that's where it should be (laughs) this job's been openly available for two months now and that's not even uh to talk about any third party conversations that may have been had uh for the past year before that so yeah i mean we're kind of in that stage now where things should be wrapping up because they got to get this thing rolling with whoever that next head coach is like almost immediately after the iowa game
1: Has there been a drop-off in wide receiver performance due to Mickey Joseph moving to head coach and not working with them primarily?
3: Um, I I don't think so. I think Mickey Joseph still has his hands in that group. And, you know, a lot of it has just been the style of offense and the flow of these games. Um, They just haven't really had the the same flow. And I think the defenses are better, too, in the Big Ten. It's just harder to kind of – do what they are maybe doing early in the year with some of these receivers because the defenses they're playing every week are top
4: 25 defenses. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was the interim head coach when Trey Palmer set the school record for single-game receiving yards. So, no, (laughs) I don't think so. I think that is a direct correlation to what's happening with Nebraska's quarterbacks than anything to do with their coaching situation. And
2: I'd say protection. I mean, they're running open a lot. The receivers are running open. And they just the There's not enough time. Quarterback's on his back. Yeah.
4: They're dropping the ball, too. There's and some. Mark drops. Whipple called that out. He says, if we drop the ball like they did against Minnesota, like against Michigan, uh, they're not going to stand a chance. I mean, <laughs> regardless what the, of whatever chance you're giving that's them. That's what Whip said. The Whip.
1: If you're calling the shots, are you starting Chubba Purdy or Logan Smothers and why?
4: Oh, I know what everybody's going to say. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy at this point. Are you going to
3: say Chubba just to, like, be the opposite of us? <laughs>
2: no no I'm saying Logan I think
3: you gotta go smothers if he's healthy and, and ready yeah. and ready to roll
2: and the wind's not blowing too hard and he can throw it downfield <laughs> uh, um I, I just I'm only half joking um it'd be nice for Logan if there's a if, if it was a you know still type day um he runs the offense well we we knew that last year uh, he can He did make a few good throws in this in the Minnesota game too. He could throw it downfield a little bit, a little bit. I mean, just the deep ball. I don't think he's he's very adept at the deep. Especially ball. Especially if
3: a safety's sitting back there mm-hmm. with the corner, because the safety I think can read it and, and make a break on those
4: balls if, if he doesn't have the arm strength to get it there. Mm-hmm. Here's the one counter I will say that if you do, I, I for the record would start looking at Smothers, but if you do go with Chuba, he did look really good on that script. So, I mean, to start the game, when he knew what he was doing and he had a whole week to prepare mm-hmm. for those 15 or so plays. Oh, he did look good. He looked, looked more than competent. Right. And so maybe you, if you are start, starting Chuba, you start him and then turn to Logan a whole lot sooner to where you're alternating and giving mm-hmm. some different looks, maybe having different elements right. between quarterback to quarterback just to keep Michigan off balance. And,
2: and Whipple, Whipple earlier in the week left open the possibility that Casey – could play he said he was doing a lot better now that might just be mudding up the water for michigan he did not throw
3: on wednesday yeah it was kind of funny but the head coach on t- tuesday basically said he's probably not playing
4: <clears throat> he said if he didn't practice wednesday he wasn't going to play well he did technically practice. he was on the field though he did not throw a football so who knows? strange <laughs> put your detective hat
3: on yeah all right what do you got next abby
1: if Husker Hoops is still struggling in December and January, could you see Trev making a move on Fred during the season?
4: No, I don't think so. I mean, for one, what? why? What's, what's that going to accomplish? You're going to have <laughs> Nate Lenzer take over as the interim head coach? Like, I, I don't know. Like that Basketball is a completely different animal than football. There's not that pressing demand. Uh, you just get through it. And keep in mind, Fred Hoiberg has an $11 million buyout, and he is not going to renegotiate a single cent that 11 million dollars so if trev does want to call it early then they're gonna have yet another gigantic check to cut uh to make that happen
3: yeah the thing with the (coughs) frost situation i think we've learned is like i mean trev wanted to get this i mean i think he wanted to start the process up on 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 the coaching change and and the way that contract was written in some other thing i it just that thing was never going to last the frost like I, I, just have a hard time thinking Frost was going to do ever anything enough to keep his job this year. Hmm. Agree or disagree?
2: I mean, if I think he he would have, if he would have won nine games, it would have had to, it had to be The like, table was set
3: for them to do a whole lot more. They, they had such a great schedule. Like they should hmm. never be right now at three and six.
2: Now look at the West. Just look at the West. Unbelievable. Look at Northwestern. Look yeah. at Georgia
3: Southern. Get those two back right there. You're at five. Mm-hmm. You're at five and four. Yeah, right there.
2: God, good point.
3: Purdue six and you're you're at six and three. I mean it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Nebraska has no one to blame but themselves. But I think ultimately Trev's plan was to get it to where it's at right now. That to get to have the opportunity to make a search.
4: Um, but yeah. yeah, and I don't think that's the case for basketball to tie it back up. I just don't know if it's nearly to that level of a pressing issue. <laughs> I mean, it's something they can easily address at the end of uh, the end of the season.
3: All right, final question, Abby.
1: Would you rather go deep sea scuba diving or skydive?
4: Ooh, remember deep sea? That's like plunging into like that's a, Greg Peterson's territory. A black our
3: abyss. our, our um, video producer Greg is a master diver. <laughs> master <laughs> legit. Dive. He is. Like, oh, I've heard yeah. him tell the story on plane flights a hundred
4: times now since we've traveled over the years. He's the so most we, interesting man.
2: Hey, wait a second, Rob. You don't like
4: diving? No. No, well, okay, so snorkeling versus diving, snorkeling, or even like you know, like the, the, the lower or the higher level, whatever you want to call it, as far as depth, uh, where you're like around like a coral reef or something like that, mm. where you can still see the sun, that's cool. But like when you start getting deep, deep, deep to where the pressure is like caving in on your head and like you can't see anything, and all you have is like your little spotlight on your helmet, and then all of a sudden, some weird giant fish you've never even knew existed before starts swimming by you. No. That's what nightmares are made of. Yeah, I would, I, I would jump out of a plane about, yeah. a thousand times before I did that.
2: I just like to say neither. I don't, I'm not interested in either. Like, can I can't just go you'd, that you'd route. You skydive?
3: I've snorkeled. No, no, I you snorkeled. haven't you, Sybil?
2: No, no, no. We go to the Caribbean a lot, but no, I didn't. So I didn't so. want to do that, and I don't want to skydive, so I have no interest. So you in
3: have that. to pick one. Are Tell you me, picking or? <laughs> I had the opportunity to jump out. I never. I didn't do it. Um, but like at the Offutt this. Air Force Base show, they do this deal where, you know, the professional guys that landed on Memorial Stadium 50 yard line, they were doing like a thing, and that they wanted a local person, yeah, um, media or personality to do it with them. Mm-hmm. And they called me, and I was going to do it. You should have done it. What, what happened? You So you're, you're essentially strapped to one of the pros. Yeah, you don't have to do anything. You they, just you, fly. And then and they just land like right in the middle of the crowd. And yeah. My wife was not. I don't want to throw my wife on the bus, but she was not on board. She was not, <laughs> and she's like, "Well, you can do it, but we're not going to come watch because wow. I mean, out of the fear of something bad happening, yeah. she didn't want the girls to see." I'm with your wife on this, and so, <laughs> and so I didn't do it. And and Matt then Matt
4: Davis, I, I passed it on to Matt Davison, and he he was the, the lucky skydiver. <laughs> I mean, you see those guys that like the earlier this year. I don't know what game it was when they sky skydove onto uh, Memorial Stadium field. Those guys are such pros like it'd be like totally risk-free in my opinion we'd have i would do it the Knowles. i would do it uh, in a heartbeat
3: the old Knowles golf club in lincoln used to bring skydivers in on the fourth of july is that like, right is that to right? land on the golf course really? <laughs> this is a true story one time the guy it was so windy he oh. he missed the Knowles and he landed down at the 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 Cooper Y, although I mean, you know how far away? Yes, that's really <laughs> that's far. Substantial. So he he was trying to get to like twentieth and Old Cheney, <laughs> and he landed on. He lost it. He landed on fourteenth in Pine Lake. Oh, he lost. Yeah, he just he lost it in the wind. So interesting. It was interesting. Yeah, no, I I that's turned down my one opportunity to jump out of a plane with a pro. I
2: I'd, I'd probably go into the water. Oh, You're crazy. I'd go into the water. No
3: way. <laughs> Abby, really? what would you do?
1: Uh, I think the ocean is terrifying. There's a lot of strange things down there. Mm-hmm. Fish. I don't know if fish. sharks scares me <laughs> so as like much fish. as like the fact that they discover new fish and things every single year that they're like, we never knew that existed. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. Full blown dinosaurs. And I also think that would take longer than actually skydiving. So I guess I would jump out of a plane. Yeah, lane. that's
2: a tough choice. That's a really tough,
3: good question. Whoever asked that. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we'll talk Big Ten football next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
5: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to LipsonAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. But I know this like that. There's no one better. He might be even with some people, but there's no one better than what he is. Uh, the thing that stands out, first of all, is durability number of snaps he's taken and to be able to carry and be very healthy with it uh he doesn't miss cuts he does a great job with the football he's very competitive so he does a lot of, of everything really really well and so obviously we have our hands full we're kind of used to that now it seems like every week that we have our hands full uh with uh with someone in that that nature
3: right there and final segment here of the husker online show sean callahan steve Sipple, robin washhead as you heard defensive coordinator bill bush talking about the wolverines outstanding heisman trophy candidate running back blake Corum. Um, this is round three of four, where Nebraska will see the four best backs, arguably in the conference right now. Last week, Mo Ibrahim. The week before, Chase Brown. And then next week, they'll see Braylon Allen at Wisconsin. Um, so, arguably, as good of a stretch of backs maybe Nebraska has ever seen. Four straight weeks. I mean, that, that's that's a that's a that's a gauntlet. Uh, but guys, let's get into the Big Ten. Um, you know, not, once again, a lot of interesting games last week, we had a full slate of seven games. So bye weeks are done and we're going to have seven games every week now from here on out in the conference. And I want to go just down the line of all the scores first and we'll kind of delve into what we thought of week 10, Iowa beats Purdue 24 to three. Um, they really kind of rubbed it in the face of Charlie Jones made him, um, you know, that he had 11 catches for 104 yards, but uh, didn't impact the game. Obviously, didn't score a touchdown in that game. As Purdue falls to five and four, Iowa now five and four, and they're smelling eight and four right now. They they have Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa, or and Nebraska remaining um, to get to eight and four. If it's they, tough though. It's a tough stretch, but yeah. not out of the question. Uh, Wisconsin though has the same stretch. They have Minnesota, Nebraska, and Iowa, and they're five and four. They beat Maryland twenty three to ten. Uh, Maryland now six and three on the year, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Nebraska is a 2013 loser to Minnesota, who now is also six and three. And the Gophers, in their mind, are saying, "Hey, we can be nine wins, eight wins," um, as they have those same three teams remaining. It's going to be kind of a little quad. quad, quad, I can't even say it a quad.
2: Yeah, just uh, say quad. A
3: quad matchup of all those four teams.
2: Quadrangular.
3: Yeah, I could say. I could say it. Um, Ohio State twenty-one seven over Northwestern. That game was a surprise. We'll delve into that more here in a minute um, as that game was only 7-7 at halftime. The upset of the week, though, Michigan State 23-15 over Illinois. Now Illinois has a game looming with Purdue, and then they have a game looming with Michigan before they close with Northwestern. So Illinois no longer a guarantee to get to Indianapolis depending on how the rest of the the West breaks out. Now they own the tiebreakers over the other three teams um, that would be maybe be in contention with them. so that would be something to watch. Penn State, 45-14 over Indiana. Um, Penn State now seven and two and then Michigan 9 and0, 52 to 17. And that was a game that they were trailing at halftime 17 to 14 before pulling away 5217. Rutgers now four and five. Gentlemen, uh, your takeaways from week 10. Sip?
2: Uh, I, I, I mean, Iowa going into Purdue and winning that convincingly. That was a windy day. It would be tough for Aiden O'Connell to throw on a day like that. 25 to 35-mile-an-hour winds is what I heard. But Iowa and Wisconsin are just quietly playing better now. It's, nobody's making a big deal of it, nor should they. But that's an impressive win for Iowa. I mean, you thought a lot of people were writing them off, and those Ferris yeah. boys are saying, not so fast. Um, they'll, they'll be tough. They're tough. That's a tough. You know what? A lot of these teams that we're talking about, Minnesota and Iowa in particular, they're programs. So they don't get real bad. They're just because they're good programs. They're tough to, you saw against Minnesota, you're up 10 0. Good program just hangs in there and does what it does, just hung in there and does what it do, did what it did. And that's what Iowa does.
3: They take a bogey, but they never lose their whole round.
2: Yeah, they never, they're snowman. They don't get a snowman. No, no
3: eights. <laughs> Is that what Jay calls uh, his? That's his, what everybody calls him. <laughs> yeah. um, Robin, what what you think of Michigan State beating Illinois?
4: Yeah, I mean that for me was <clears throat> the game of the of the week for the conference, just because of where Illinois was headed and the fact that uh, they were in the driver's seat to lock that thing up in the West and punch their ticket or get really close to it to Indianapolis, and then for them to come out there against a Michigan State team that has struggled um, was really disappointing, especially to do it at home. You um, know, I think that uh, really shook things up. Now, to where like we're talking about this, this conversation just got a lot different after last week, as far as who will emerge in the West. You know, with with Indiana or sorry Illinois now uh, now losing a little bit of that grip.
3: Now moving on, guys, to this week, week eleven. Um, it's interesting to me because I think two of the better games that have meaning are going to be buried on ESPN two and FS one where Fox and ABC have chosen to take the blue blood brands of Ohio state, Penn state and Michigan, all three of them being double digit favorites um, over those games because of the ratings. But I think Purdue and Illinois, that's an 11 AM game. That's a huge game for the outcome of the West. And then obviously Wisconsin, Iowa, that's a two thirty game on FS one. Um, so, you know, two of your probably more impactful games, are buried on the channel lineup where your your three premier teams are going to take the prime network spots. Who's Ohio State play? So you've got Indiana at Ohio State. Ohio State is a 40-point favorite on Big Noon Kickoff. Why
2: they why is that Big Noon Kickoff? Why do they have that game on Big Noon Kickoff?
3: It's just Ohio. They could put Ohio State playing anybody mm-hmm. and it will draw 4 million. God, it
2: surprises me though.
3: So then you have Purdue, Illinois. That's an eleven a.m. ESPN two. Rutgers at Michigan State. That's Mm -hmm. probably the the Matt Millen BTN game, Um, ten point favorite Spartans. Then you've got the two thirty Fox game, Maryland at Penn State. So you got a doubleheader: Ohio State, Penn State, both on Fox. Penn State's playing who? Uh, Maryland. Okay. That's almost a better game, but it's just not doesn't have any implication on the playoff. Mm -hmm. And then. Nebraska-Michigan is the 230 ABC game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Nebraska-Michigan almost could have been the big noon game. Oof. If Nebraska would have beaten Minnesota, mm-hmm. maybe that would have been the big noon game.
2: Oof. I don't know if you want that. As you, ah.
3: Now, you're right. Well, it's a 40-point spread versus a
4: 31-point uh, spread. any worse than Indiana-Ohio no, State? Not. I mean, it's not. It's a, really not. Projected to be a more competitive game. <laughs>
2: right. what big noon? Well, I would say if you're a Nebraska fan, that's what I'm talking about. If you're a Nebraska fan, I don't know if you want that big noon and I don't the, know. I don't think you do.
4: Oh, well, yeah. Now they just got the the hidden channel on ABC. I right.
2: yeah. I knew. I got you. <laughs> I hate to say. I hate to talk that way. I don't. It just doesn't. It doesn't. I don't know. This doesn't look like it's setting up to be a great game for Nebraska. Well, then What's North like, to, North
3: Northwestern one and eight at Minnesota. That's a two thirty BTN. Northwestern one and eight at Minnesota two thirty BTN. And then, honestly, if like all things were normal, and Wisconsin and Iowa are maybe six and three or seven and two, this is probably the big noon game. But the fact that both these teams are five and four, it's fallen all the way down to FS1 at two thirty. Um, yeah. But usually, Wisconsin Iowa, the way the network, the way the weekend set up, that would probably be one of those ABC or Fox games. But it got buried down. Uh, just because neither one of these teams really
4: is in, in the conversation. It'll yeah. be a hard game
2: to watch. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah,
4: but for our Big Ten West bubble, I mean, that's a h- enormous game because the winner of that is going to be firmly back in the mix, uh, especially, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Illinois-Purdue. Illinois is a six-and-a-half-point favorite, seven-point favorite uh, against Purdue. You know, we'll see. We'll see how they rebound after a loss like that against Michigan State. That kind of just took it to them a Man. little bit, and that was the first time they'd faced a game like that where you know they scored a, a late touchdown to make it an eight-point game. So they were down by two scores in the fourth quarter uh, to where Michigan State, a struggling Michigan State team, kind of took it to them. So how do they rebound from that?
2: I think Illinois will rebound fine because if you just look at the matchup, Illinois is really strong in the back end. Uh, Purdue won't. I just don't think Purdue's going to have – they don't throw it downfield no. very well. And
4: they throw it to one guy when they do.
2: Right. I, I don't think Purdue – hey, I think, you know what, Purdue scored three last week. They're going to get shut up? I, I'm not saying that, but they might not get much more than 10 against Illinois.
3: Yeah, if Illinois wins that Purdue game, I think then they have the West pretty much – I don't want to say pretty much, but they, they've got it almost locked up at that point because the tiebreakers they're going to mm-hmm. own. That's huge. They'll have the tiebreaker over Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue – and Minnesota, knowing that all those teams are going to kind of play one another. Now still. they they
4: do play Michigan, Michigan. And so, you know, like I said, the winner of that Iowa-Wisconsin uh, game, you know, they're, they're they're going to be in it. They're going to be in it and have, and have a chance. Okay.
3: But listen, this is how big it is for <clears throat> Illinois. If they get the win and they lose to Michigan, Illinois can still be 6-3, and three, right? Mm-hmm. The best Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue, or Minnesota can be is 6-3. and three. Mm. And they own the tiebreaker overall. <laughs> all of them. So – um, Illinois just has to take care of business. Theoretically. Critical game. Locks Saturday. up the West with the win this weekend. Critical game. Because hmm. they can afford the loss to Michigan. Now, if they lose this game and then they lose to Michigan, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden a 6-3 and three Iowa, Wisconsin, or Minnesota could win the West.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, now, where's that? I'm sorry, where's that game at? Illinois. In, Illinois. Okay. Shape, they, they should be okay.
3: All right. Well, so it should be good. We'll have a full post game show as well. Um, we're probably looking, guys, at 830 for our post game live show yeah, after that Nebraska e- is Michigan that Eastern or Central Central okay A3 I'm Central. talking to our Nebraska listeners right we now we'll, we'll be 9:30 Eastern 8:30 Central so uh thank you for listening and make sure you join us on Husker Online and download us on our podcast channel or check us out on the YouTube channel it's Nebraska Michigan Saturday at
0: 2:30 Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online your authority on Nebraska athletics